0: Welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Larry Mishkin of the Hoban Law Group. Uh, I'm joined today by my uh, co-host Jim Marty, while our other uh, co-host Rob Hunt uh, takes a little family time and uh, enjoys uh, some skiing up in the Lake Tahoe area, which we hope goes really well. So we want to welcome you to our Deadhead Cannabis Show today. And again, this is our podcast that combines the Grateful Dead with the latest cannabis industry news. Uh, Today we've got a really, really exciting show, uh, on the uh, the marijuana side. We're joined by a group of people today uh, who are all uh, uh, veterans of the uh, legal cannabis industry. Uh, and the one thing uh, that they all share and bring to the table that we're going to be talking with them about is their involvement with the Ann Arbor Hash Bash, which this year, I believe, is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Uh, it's a major event in the cannabis world every year. Uh, it's it's really become a major event in the last few years. And the people we have on our show today, Mark Passerini, Nick Zettel, and Kenneth Sarfo. Jim Salame and Jamie Lowell are, are as deep in the middle of Hash Bash as anybody, and we're looking forward to them to, uh, to really educate us and tell us what it's all about. Jim, what do we have on the uh, Grateful Dead side?
1: Well, we got lots to talk about, as usual. Uh, we've got, uh, in honor of Phil Lesh's 81st birthday, that happened uh, the other day. I forget the exact day, but um, in honor of that, we're going to do a deep dive into Box of Rain, um, also, uh, I want to thank Larry for pointing out yesterday that uh, my first show was on uh, Sirius Radio, uh, 115.79. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about that. It brought back some great memories. I went out to my car and listened to a few songs, Larry. Uh, but we've got such great guests, and we're going to do a, another deep dive, uh, but this time into the um, cannabis industry as it's evolving in the great state of Michigan. So with that, uh, why don't we go around and let each of our guests talk about what they do. And um, since we're fortunate enough to have a looks like a lovely lady with us, why don't we let Q start off? <laughs>
2: Thank you very much. And they say chivalry is dead. So my name is Antoinette Sarfo. My nickname is Q. I am a member of the board of directors for the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, and um, I am, was a former operator. I owned a provisioning center in, in Detroit, uh, building out a cultivation center in um, Warren, Detroit, Warren, Michigan, and um, launched a, a CBD line and uh, was. Um, um, worked very hard to make sure that legalization happened here in Michigan. I think that's my cliff Mills version.
1: <laughs> and you're a medical marijuana patient as well, correct?
2: Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Yes, I also have multiple sclerosis. And so I became um, an advocate um, for um, medicinal marijuana or cannabis uh, be- by first becoming a, um, a being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So that sort of uh, introduced me to the whole cannabis world. And um, from there, things are great.
0: Wonderful. And uh, Jamie Lowell, who I see has put on a uh, lovely jersey.
3: Hey, well, thank you very much for having me here. Um, Currently with the Botanical Company as Director of Advocacy and Social Equity. And that's a cannabis retail store currently located in Lansing and East Towers. And uh, amidst other things, um, I love Hash Bash and can't wait to support another year. And this is the jubilee this year, so it's going to be a great one. Marvelous.
1: And Jim salam. did I pronounce your name right?
4: Uh, It's salam, Jim. But, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Um, I um, am a board member at Decriminalize Nature Michigan. Uh, We're uh, responsible for helping get the resolution passed with the Ann Arbor City Council recently to decriminalize entheogens in the city of Ann Arbor. Um, and that's something we're working on now statewide uh, in the entire state uh, to decriminalize uh, entheogens and sacred plant
1: medicines. That's a very interesting subject, and we'll circle back around and tie that in with the Grateful Dead, because uh, they certainly were very instrumental in getting uh, psychedelics out to the masses back in the 60s. They
4: sure were. Okay.
0: Uh, how about so, Nick Zatel next?
5: Hey, uh, thank you very much for having me on Anyway, I've been an organizer of the Ann Arbor Hash Bash since 2012, I believe was my first year being the executive producer, and I was involved a little bit before that as well. Uh, it's been an incredible event, and I've been really privileged to have been a part of it for the you know past decade or more, um, and... Through Hashbash, I got involved with the greater Michigan cannabis activism community and worked for a number of years on the legalization effort that ended up um, with a successful passage of Proposal 1 in 2018. Excellent. Excellent.
6: And Mark? Yes, Mark Passerini. I am the co-founder of the Ohm of Medicine in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, we are a medical cannabis dispenser that's been in operation for 11 years um i've been organizing hash bash along with nick sattel since 2012. currently i'm the executive vice president of operations for mission dispensaries i'm also the uh, board chairman for the redemption foundation and the vice chairman of the michigan cannabis industry association uh, hash bash is definitely near and dear to my heart nick and i uh, have worked really hard on it over the past eight years and i'm really proud of what we've accomplished and the Uh, diversification of the speakers, the professionalism of the people that we brought onto the stage. And I think that we've uh, played a pretty big role in inspiring activists throughout the state of Michigan. So Mark, uh, those of us who uh, had the opportunity
0: to go to the University of Michigan, as I did way back in the Stone Age, um go blue thank you very much yes sir with the basketball tournament starting and um you know for us the hash bash was this amazing thing that all of a sudden they you know they told us as freshmen hey yeah on april 1st everybody's going to be gathered in the diag and it's okay to go out there and Smoke marijuana. Now, having grown up in St. Louis, Ann Arbor was already a lot more liberal than anything I had ever seen. They had the $5 is fine law in effect at the time. And, you know, the, 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 RAs on the dorm floor after giving you the speech about not getting high would come down and share their bong with you. So it was, it was a different time. And, uh, uh but, but Hash Bash was unlike anything that I had ever seen. And, uh, it, it was an amazing, amazing experience for me. Uh, unfortunately, by the time I was a senior, it had kind of, faded out of popularity. And in my senior year it was kind of a cold rainy day and there weren't very many students out there, mostly high school, local high school students and a big heavy police presence. Um, So you can imagine how surprised and wonderful it was when I went back for the first time a few years ago and saw not only uh, do you have a big presence on the Diag at your designated time, but by gosh, you guys take over an entire hotel right on the town border there, uh, right out near Weber's by the highway. And, uh, it's just amazing for an entire weekend. There's a a hotel out there that is completely open. Every place in the, ironically, every place in the hotel, except your room, uh, is, is open for public smoking and everything else. And it's, it's really just, uh, it's amazing to see. And so we're so excited to have you guys on the show, uh, to be able to tell us and and talk about it. Nick, what do you got?
5: Uh, Just a quick, um, kind of a point of, I guess, clarification, Regards to the hotel and the whole event, it really has become more than just the rally on the diag. And it's in sometime in the early 2000s, it spilled out into Monroe Street, and that's where the big block uh, block party and fair happens, the Monroe Street Fair. And then Adam Brook, who used to organize the Hash Bash, he's a ha- responsible for the the cup, the Hash Bash Cup, which occurs at that hotel. And really, all of the different aspects are a sight to see with uh, regard to the whole day of festivities.
0: Um, Now, for our listeners, and Jim, I see we'll get to you in one second. For our listeners who maybe have never heard of the Hash Bash, or if they've heard of the Hash Bash, uh, only know it as a big public gathering when people sit around and and smoke weed on the campus at the University of Michigan – can one of you uh, give us perhaps a, uh, a kind of quick synopsis on, you know, what are the kind of underlying events uh, that led to the creation of the Hash Bash way back in the day? Yeah, Jamie.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll say a little bit about it. Um, so there's a man named John Sinclair who was kind of an international icon, a, a, a cultural hero to many. He's done many things. He was the manager of the MC5, the uh, famous DJ in New Orleans. He does spoken word. He he, developed, he started the White Panther organization. But uh, he was busted for passing two joints to an undercover cop and got uh, sentenced for 10 years in prison. He served some of that time, but he continued to fight his case, and he won. And it went to the Supreme Court, and as a result of demonstrating that cannabis was a euphorian and not a narcotic, all laws against cannabis were lifted for a period of time in the state. And just before the lawmakers were going to put some back in place and give us some consequences again, they kicked off this rally to to uh, let everybody know, put whatever law you want in place, we're still going to hang out and smoke our pot. Now, and that's what started happening. Was Hashtags.
0: that the uh, Freedom Rally with Lennon
3: and all those guys who came to Chrysler Arena, or was that in support of John? That's That was in support of John before that, Um Nick, Nick is actually a very awesome historian on all this stuff and should be filling in a few gaps here.
5: Yeah, so um, thank you, Jamie. I actually was hoping you'd be able to to take that because, um, you know, Jamie's very close with John and he's still uh, a really um, great touring poet, uh, a real beat poet too. So he served about two and a half or three years of a 10-year sentence leading up to that uh, Freedom Rally, which took place in December at Chrysler Arena, where the Michigan basketball team plays. And they had John Lennon and Yoko Ono on their first U.S. stop, I think, after the Beatles broke up. They had Commander Cody um, and his flying airmen. They also had some notable poets and activists like Allen Ginsberg, Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman, um, Bobby Seale, the Black Panther...
6: Sorry to interrupt, but Stevie Wonder was also there, Bob Seger, some pretty big names at that concert. And
5: Stevie Wonder made a guest appearance, he wasn't on the actual uh, lineup, so when you see the poster, his name will be missing, but um, yeah, it was a really, you know, incredible event.
1: Yeah, I would point out that um, having done my research for the show today and looking at some pictures of Hash Bash, you get quite a crowd. but the term hash pass is a little misleading because it looks like plenty of flour gets smoked there as well.
6: There's definitely plenty of flour being smoked there, Jim. Uh, hash is uh, not as plentiful as many of us would like. I failed to mention in my intro that I'm also a founding member along with Jim Saleem of Hash Lovers of America. And hash is uh, something that is definitely not, some, definitely not as prevalent as we'd like um, these days. Uh, there's definitely hash at hash bash though. There's no doubt. How,
2: how did I not know this? I love hash. Oh, I, there, there's a story about me being at a and in, in the middle of Germany and and these guys giving me hash. Um, it is. I love hash, and you're right. It's so hard to find. And you know what? The last time I bought hash, I bought it at Home of Medicine. That's <laughs> so, right. And it That's was, right. <laughs>
1: Perhaps we can steer the conversation to what's going on in Michigan today. Uh, Michigan has a strong medical cannabis program. It also has adult use. Uh, would somebody like to um, take the uh, lead on and tell us what's going on these days in, in Michigan? Is there plenty of uh, flowers? or plenty of hash? Are prices good? Please jump in, anybody.
6: So i could take a little bit of that um you know we've been adult use now for a little over a year uh, michigan uh the first adult use dispensaries opened in december of 2019 of course four months after that we went into a global pandemic um so it's been a little bit of a topsy-turvy year for the industry uh when we first started um uh, adult use sales it was impossible, literally impossible for dispensaries to keep flour on their shelves because there were so few providers and licensed cultivators and processors. We had three straight weeks at the Home of Medicine where we didn't have flour on our shelf and we were dying to pay $4,000 a pound if we could and we couldn't find any. Uh, Fast forward to a year later and the market has definitely taken quite a shift. It's been a little bit of um, whiplash for all of the operators. We now are seeing a lot more cultivators being licensed. Uh, prices have dropped dramatically, especially over the past two, three months, um, because of all of the new, newly licensed cultivators and processors. Um, but you know, like most states, I would say that uh, the medical uh, patient count has diminished a little bit. Um, I'd like to see that. Uh, uh, kind of reverse course. I think that there's a lot of people that are trying to kind of revive the medical part um, of the of the program, mainly because the patients have um, less taxes to pay, uh, more selection, and less of a, uh, uh, a limit on, on THC or milligrams for, for the medical market as opposed to the adult use market. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Jamie Lowell because I know Jamie has his finger on the pulse pretty heavily on the Michigan industry. Uh, you're on mute. Oh, there you go.
3: Yeah, so uh, the, the, these parallel programs are operating right now, and uh, there'll be probably a time when everything is combined into one kind of commercial program, but as Mark said, it'll be important for there to still be a health and wellness and medical <coughs> component to a lot of these businesses to help those who rely on that to guide it through that process. Um, so we'll probably see that, but it's going really well, and it keeps on building and, and uh, becoming more established. and. Uh, it's just in its infancy right now, but it's also producing a lot of community outreach and social equity uh, causes. Uh, Q has been very uh, instrumental in the, in the state group that's been working on some of those issues and trying to give some more teeth to the uh, social equity program here in Michigan. Q, tell us about that. Well,
2: part of Proposition 1, which passed in uh, 2018, 2018? um was that um, Michigan had to do something to make sure that communities that were um, affected by most affected by the war on drugs had um, a stake in the industry specifically Michigan's um, law um, stated that they wanted ownership they it, it called for actual ownership in the industry and so um, so the state was mandated to come up with with a um, uh, ways and pathways to make sure that communities that had higher than normal arrest rates for cannabis, the people in those communities had access to the industry. And so it started off, and that's called social equity, and so the state... um, looked at the arrest records from for um, municipalities all over the state and determined which ones had higher than normal arrest rates and those uh, communities were deemed social equity communities and people who lived in those communities were allowed to have um, certain concessions when it came to licenses. Um, unfortunately uh, when the state looked at how their social equity program was being rolled out um, they they noticed that it wasn't necessarily as successful as they wanted it to be, and it wasn't um, addressing the, the, um, the, the, the root problem. And the root problem in Michigan specifically was race-based. And because Michigan has a law on the books that Michigan cannot enact laws that are race-based, they cannot say that, okay, so if you are a black person in Michigan, you get a discount. <laughs> so they they had to find a way to do that because unfortunately in Michigan, if you were a brown or black person, you, it was four times more likely that you would be arrested for a cannabis crime. So, um, so the state decided to kind of reshuffle that a little bit and look at ways to how... Um, look at ways um, to encourage minority participation in the industry. And so they they impaneled a work group, and for six months or so, about 22 of us, 26 of us, worked on ways to um, um, encourage minority participation and also looked at ways, um, looked at some of the reasons that, um, why minorities were not involved in the industry and how could we mitigate some of those reasons. So... Um, the state has now um, decided to turn that work group into a standing appointment, um, and so they have a, a, a standing uh, work group that is working on ways of making sure that the uh, the industry is equitable. and And I look at it as, you know, every business. This really just shouldn't be a, a cannabis in, uh, issue. You know, every business should be reflective of the community in which is housed. <laughs> so if you have a community that you know p- people like to walk into a store and see people that they know that look like them and that, that, that can relate to their issues and understand what's going on in their community and so the, the, the spirit of the law is to make sure that you know the businesses in these communities look like <clears throat> or are reflective of the people who live in those communities and so we're trying very,
1: very good Q you know it's interesting I um... Just earlier today, I was on a phone call with about 40 leaders, most of them um, people of color in New Jersey, on their social equity program, and what they brought up, and a question I have for you is, record expungement is very closely tied to social equity programs. What is Michigan doing in in regards of expungement of cannabis or minor nonviolent crimes?
2: Well, I am glad you asked. (laughs) <laughs> Michigan has has just um, enacted what we call a, a package of, of legislation called the Clean Slate Act, and and the this this package of legislation addresses not just cannabis crimes but also um, a, a variety of misdemeanors and, and now just like the first time drunk driving offense is now also a part of that. So um, so yeah. So when it comes to, to cannabis crimes, yes, we, um, expungement um, was was also part was part of. Of the wishes of the people who were involved in Prop One, unfortunately, we could not have two issues on the same ballot initiative. But expungement was always a part of it, and so we're we're, we're pleased. Now the work group. Was pleased that that package of the bills, the clean slate bills, pretty much addressed the issues that that we wanted to address. And Michael Thompson, who is a gentleman who has served far too much time in prison, um, he was he was um, released from from um, from prison a couple of months, a oh, weeks ago. I'm, I'm, but I know Mark and a couple of you guys were there. You know, Jamie, were you there? And some some of you guys were actually there when he when he walked out at, at four twenty, wasn't it? <laughs> um, which was interesting.
1: Before,
2: huh? Before. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So. So that um, when it comes to expungement, and actually I was just on a, on a call with the Attorney General, and she is about to start a, a state tour, going all over the state, making sure people are aware of their, of their, um, their rights under this, this new you know, package of bills, and making sure that they utilize the services and that they make sure that they get their records expunged because now this is an option. So we're, we're pleased that that, that that came out of legalization.
1: Well, thank you very much. That's very informative. I want to switch it over to Jim Saleem because he's doing some interesting work, a little bit related to cannabis, but a little bit outside of cannabis. You know, cannabis is a a psychedelic, but a very mild psychedelic. There's other ones that, I guess in layman's terms, have a little more kick to them, and maybe you can talk about what you're doing in those regards.
4: Uh, I'm a board member on the Decriminalize Nature Michigan group. Uh, We started out as Decriminalize Nature Ann Arbor um, it's more of a national movement that began in Oakland, California, um, and the decrim nature uh, hub, uh, so to speak. Um, we were able to get uh, Ann Arbor's city council to unanimously pass a resolution that decriminalized all entheogen plants. We um,
6: unanimous, he said,
4: unanimously passed, and yeah. following following that passage, the co- uh, county prosecutor of Washtenaw. Uh, Ellie Savick came out and said in the entire county, we are not going to prosecute for the use of this, these medicines, for, for gifting these medicines. And um, we're really proud of that. Now our focus is on the rest of the state. Um, I, we started a podcast called The Entheo Show uh, that is every couple of weeks um, from four to 5.30 on a Friday. And we're, we're talking to other decrim cities in, in the state of Michigan to get them to organize with the help of oakland california because they they really helped us um they do the same thing so it's a it's a lot of fun and it's it's long overdue it parallels what the cannabis cannabis industry has gone through um it reflects a lot of the issues that need to be addressed like um like uh, racial equity and things like that um for people who have been uh you know prosecuted over millennia for using these medicines and that are natural to the earth.
1: What, what we're talking mushrooms, or what other other plants would be included in that?
4: Uh, cacti, like a mescaline, you know, five um, uh, meo toad, uh, ayahuasca, is involved with that. Uh, iboga, peyote, pe- uh, peyote. Yeah, some of the uh, states in the country are not including peyote because there's definitely an issue with um, a shortage of peyote. People not understanding how to harvest that correctly and. Uh, It's endangered right now, currently. What about LSD? LSD, I don't think it's, you know, it's not something that's a focus of ours. Um, We try to actually stay away from the word psychedelic, quite honestly, uh, because that just has different, you know, stigmas that that conjure up other ideas for some people that don't have um, an open mind, I suppose. Uh, We... um, you know, instead of using magic mushrooms, we like to use psilocybin. Sure. Very much like not using the word pot or weed, if you can use the word cannabis. Right. Okay.
0: You know? So it's we're, we're kind of on a, 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 a doorstep here, right? Not unlike where you guys were with marijuana a few years ago, and now uh, the game is being expanded out. But Mark, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, my, my memories of, of, of Hash Bash were always, you know, the, the, the really uh, devoted people and some folks just looking for fun out on the Diag, but the message from everybody was the same. Legalize this, make it available for us to use. Now it is. Now you in the state of Michigan, like other states, you can use it. So has has the Hash Bash Committee tried to change the message at all or or kind of keep up with what's going on in real time with, with the actual laws?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Larry, my first hash bash was in the mid-90s when I was in college in 94. And I uh, I definitely remember a lot of the folks just yelling at the top of their lungs, free the weed. And that was, that was the messaging. And in 2018, we finally freed the weed in the state of Michigan. It became legal. Uh, so now our focus is going to be shifted a little bit from obviously state prohibition to federal prohibition. Uh, we do have a number of federal... Um, legislators going to be speaking at this year's hash bash and besides federal uh prohibition we're also going to be focusing on social equity i think that uh, a number of our speakers um actually a couple of the people that were already mentioned jim mentioned ellie savitt the washington county prosecutor he is one of our speakers confirmed for this year's hash bash and i think q you mentioned uh our Attorney General Dana Nessel. She's also gonna be our speak, one of our speakers for Hash Bash. Those are obviously state officials, um, but all of them know and understand that you know, Hash Bash oftentimes will, will breed activists. Uh, typically there's about 10 to 15,000 people that show up for these events. If we can capture 1% of those people to go out and become passionate and effective and organized, um, that's a huge win. And I think we do that each and every year. So the, the focus, Larry, is going to be shifted to federal prohibition and social equity. It's a long, short story, short, short answer. <laughs> okay. I just want to uh,
0: really quickly ask one last question of these guys. What is the logistics for this year's Hash Bash? Is it going to be a live in-person event? Is it going to be live streamed? If people want to participate, how can they participate? Yes,
5: yeah, so uh, the Hash Bash committee um, that you're talking to right now, we're all working very hard right now on a live stream a broadcast a variety show style production that uh q is going to be master of ceremony um i know that uh, other members of the committee are going to be speaking and we went over some of our speakers already um but we've got a lot coming at you from different politicians entertainers um activist groups and uh you know key individuals who have been along for the ride for however many years in the Michigan scene, um, including John Sinclair, who we'd mentioned earlier. So that's going to be broadcast on April 3rd, the first Saturday of April at high noon, as is tradition. And you'll be able to see that on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash A2 hash bash. So Ann Arbor hash bash, but twitch.tv slash A2 hash bash. Uh, There are going to be a handful of folks I know that are going to be there on the Diag, people who either have deep connections with the event or, um, you know, people who are local to Ann Arbor and it means something to them because it is the 50th year. It'll be the Jubilee. So I don't think people will be out in celebration as much as uh, we've liked to enjoy in the past. But again, hash bash does mean different things to different people and, you know, uh, I'm sure someone will be screaming free the weed out there. So.
0: <laughs> Very good.
6: And, and Larry, if I could, sure. um, before we move to, to music, Jim, just give me 30 seconds to rattle off a lot of our speakers because it is a star-studded lineup. Please. Okay. So, for, so like I said, we do have a number of politicians. Uh, we have our governor, Gretchen Whitmer. We have our attorney general, Dana Nessel. We've got our congresswoman, Debbie Dingell. We have probably the, the biggest champion uh, for cannabis in, in the Washington DC over the past three decades, Earl Blumenauer. Uh, we also have our house floor leader in Michigan, Representative Youssef Rabi. Um, we mentioned the Washtenaw County prosecutor, Ellie Savitt. Um, and we are actually, and we also have a, from both sides of the aisle, we have uh, Graham Filler, a Republican representative in Michigan. Just confirmed him today. Um, On the uh, entertainment front, uh, we do have a Ann Arbor legend, Laith Al-Sadi. He is a songwriter, musician. He was a a finalist on The Voice just a few years ago. Um, We also have Tom Wall and the Cosmic Knot, which will be our house band. Um, like Nick said, it is a little bit of a variety show. We're gonna have some skits. We're gonna have Laganja Estranja, uh, who is a social media influencer, um, be present for the, for the event. And then we have a, a lot of uh, um, pro athletes. Um, Eugene Monroe, who is the first NFL, active NFL player to speak out for um, cannabis reform in his league. We also have arguably the greatest wide receiver of all time from the Detroit Lions. Uh Calvin Johnson, uh, also known as Megatron. Um, his partner Rob Sims will be speaking with him as well. And um, we have a Hall of Fame NHLer from the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Darren McCarty. Um, let me think. Oh, we also have from the NBA uh Al Harrington, who has a brand uh called Viola, um, cannabis brand that's really focused on social equity. And lastly, on the uh, athlete front, we have a Major League Baseball player from the Detroit Tigers, Joel Zumaya. Um, we also have a number of uh, uh, medical professionals. Dr. Sue Sisley, uh, one of the most renowned uh, cannabis researchers in the country, as well as the first uh, University of Michigan professor to speak at Hash Bash a few years ago. He's a, a professor at the School of Pharmacy, Dr. Gus Rosagna. Um, and then we have uh, just a whole slew of local activists. Obviously, John Sinclair. Um, I did miss Senator Jeff Irwin. Jeff Irwin is pr- like I think um, Anquanette mentioned earlier. He is our longest-running um, uh, politician that has been a champion for for this movement for the past decade. Anybody I missed, guys?
5: Boy, that's quite a Maybe. lineup.
6: <laughs> That's all people who have event.
5: spoke in the past at hash bash or people who yes. otherwise would, you know, would make it in that instance. So we've been able to build the event and really draw more, um, entertainers and, uh, prominent people to, to come and speak. Sounds great.
0: Sounds right. great.
1: So switching it over now to, to music, I, from my, uh, show prep, um, some of you, I think it's Nick. Was that fairly well in Chicago?
5: I was, yes. And you may. Re- so was Jim and I. Yeah, we were all, all there together. Me, Jim and we were Nick all right there, there together. Wow,
1: what a what a great time that was! I was there. Larry and I connected. I've got some great stories, but I'm not going to bore everybody with those right now. I just want to point out that you may recall the first song, the first night was "Box of Rain."
0: Box of Rain. Which had been the last song they played in 1995 in Soldier Field at their last show uh, to close out that tour right before a month later. Unfortunately, Jerry died. So, yes, a lot of uh, uh, very nice how they they pulled that all together. They're they're not always that on the ball.
1: And to dive into Box of Rain a little bit, my understanding of the meaning of that song is Phil wrote it when his father was on his deathbed. So some of the lines make a lot of sense when you think of it in those terms, such a long, long time to be gone and a short time to be there. Uh, Larry, what do you? what's your take on that?
0: Well, I, I think that's right, although um, eventually Phil pushed back on that narrative a little bit. And his, his position was that he told Hunter that it just happened to be the time while he was driving out to see his sick father that he was working out a new tune in his head. But he said apparently Hunter got it into his head that it was a tune for Phil's father, and Hunter says it was the easiest set of lyrics that he ever had to write. It all just came to him right away. Uh, either way, of course, it's turned out to be you know uh, one of the pillars of uh, of the Grateful Dead songbook, and uh, you know certainly the, a song that uh, every everybody likes to hear.
1: Well, and so many of the lyrics are so profound. Um maybe you'll find direction around some corner where it's been waiting to meet you Wow
0: so yeah you know hunter hunter uh, really had his work cut out for him on this one and and they did it together you know it debuted back in uh, 1970 and then actually they, they debuted it the first time as an acoustic tune and then they, they they mothballed it for a couple of years until 72 they pulled it back out and they played it up until uh, July of 73. Uh, the big Watkins Glen show was the last time they played it until March 20th 1986 in the Hampton Coliseum a show I just happened to be at purely by luck because who knows when these things are gonna happen and right at the end of the first set of the first night uh, when we all assumed it was a Phil song so they were gonna hop right into Tom Thumb Blues or something like that lo and behold Bobby gave his famous practice makes perfect speech and they came out and they played a box of rain for the ages and really I think uh, turned the dead community on its ear in a way that I hadn't seen in all the years that I had been going to shows. Um, And it was a buzz that carried through right up to the last time they played it. But anytime Phil would set up, set up to to play a song, the crowd would go wild. And if it was box of rain, all the better.
1: Well, turning it back to our guests um, and fairly well, uh, are some of you fish fans too? And did you, do you enjoy Trey doing lead guitar in that, that uh, configuration?
6: absolutely
5: yeah i'm a uh, pretty big fish fan and uh so naturally i was excited but i thought it was wonderful
1: i did too uh, there's been I, some I, criticism I, that you know maybe trey wasn't the best pick but i certainly have no complaints I, I enjoyed those shows immensely i just love the backstage picture of bill walton towering over trey <laughs> as they're having a conversation <laughs> backstage at fair i don't know if anybody's ever seen that picture but it's pretty amazing yes. So, uh, Larry, what else you got?
0: Well, um, so they brought it back. They've they've played it ever since. It's a great tune. Uh, everybody loves it. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is Phil who's singing, you know, and, and Jerry and Bobby, and that's all great. But, you know, Phil stopped singing for about 10 years. He, he heard his vocal cords from drinking and singing and whatever else he was doing. And actually, in 1983, at a show in Madison Square Garden one night, they opened with cold rain and snow, and he walked up and started singing in Bobby's microphone with him on the the the, 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 the lyrics at the end, the, the chorus at the end. And then, you know, once he started singing, I think it was just a natural progression of time and whatever until they got to Box of Rain, because although Phil has a lot of great tunes, and in fact, in honor of his 81st birthday, there's an absolutely wonderful video going around on Instagram right now uh, with a number, a wide number of musicians, all in their particular locations due to COVID, and they play an amazing cover of Pride of Cucamonga. Oh no, wait. Uh is it Pride of Cucamonga? Unbroken Chain. It's Unbroken Chain. And it it it's really just uh, uh every his kids play on it, the whole uh, uh Terrapin family band. Andrews Osborne makes an appearance on there, uh Joe Russo makes an appearance on there. Uh, if, if you could check it out on Instagram, it's really very cool, um, and I think it just speaks to the fact that, you know, people in the music industry have tremendous uh, uh, admiration for a guy who's 81 years old and still goes out on stage and plays two-hour rock concerts. That's that's pretty incredible.
1: And have you ever seen how Phil calls for box of rain? He makes like a box with his fingers.
0: <laughs> yep, he did that too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Mark, when was I know you said you were a big uh, Dead fan. What was the first time you ever saw them?
6: So not a not a big Dead fan. I was a bigger Allman Brothers fan. Well, okay, um, that too. I only saw them twice uh, in the nineties, and then of course in uh, uh, what was it? Two thousand and twelve was fairly 15, well. Fifteen, I think.
0: But yeah, somewhere right around
6: there. Fifteen. Yeah, my my favorite show was uh, a Chicago Almond Brothers show. It was actually right before we opened Home of Medicine, mm-hmm. uh, just a few months before in two thousand nine. Um, there may have been some entheogenic uh, <laughs> medicines floating around there too. I think I had a macro dose of psilocybin, uh-huh. and Almond Brothers came back out for a uh, um, uh, whipping post for their for their encore, and I don't know, it was probably top one of the top ten minutes of my life.
0: Yeah, okay. when, they, when they do that, you know, when you get Warren Haynes out there playing lead guitar, it's 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 pretty special. That You know, it's, it's not Dwayne, but I always said that uh, Trucks, Derek Trucks is as close as you'll ever get to Dwayne, and uh, it, it was just amazing sound. I was at that show. They, they were
6: always great. What do you have for us, Jim? Oh, you were at that show? Yeah, that was awesome, at the Northerly Isle. It was amazing. Yep.
1: Keira, what were some of your musical influences?
2: You are very kind. I told the guys, and the guys were... I, I'm working with the greatest group of guys because I said to them, I was like, "Look," and, and I know for people who are listening on on uh, Clubhouse right now, just to describe, if if the name Anquinette didn't give you a clue, um, I'm a black chick from Gary, Indiana. Okay, <laughs> um, so 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 when they said that we're gonna go on the Deadhead show, and I was like, "Huh?" Well, I did work in Vegas, but my 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 Dead stuff is like is that the cherry garcia guy the ice cream guy um, so they were very sweet and even nick even even nick was so sweet to send me stuff and nick i haven't watched it yet so so let me back up so so actually so so, I, so my musical influences you know um i'm i'm a house head i i love house music i love techno um, but I grew up. Um, I, I love Boy George, which is why you know my company is, is my, my my website is Culture Club. It's the kind of take on Boy George, just my own little sure. joke to myself. Um, my okay. company is Culture with the Q. It's spelled with the Q. But I love Boy George. I had his poster on my ceiling when I was in sixth grade. Um, it's quite bizarre. And then I went into. I grew up in Gary, Indiana, so I'm from the Chicago area, and I was really into Chicago house. Um, so. I, I I'm married to a guy who grew up in Berlin and so he's into a Berlin house. Um we got married um, um, during uh, um, the the techno fest in Detroit <laughs> during in may. um so so I love I love house music. I um but but yeah I me mean also but you know my, my, I'm from I was born in the seventies. Um, I turned 50 this year, well, along with the hash bash. <laughs> and so,
4: that, and
2: so, yeah, so my family grew up with the Motown. So it's funny that I ended up, you know, I in my career in Detroit, but, um, but yeah, you know, we, we grew up with Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin and, and, you know, um, the OJs, um, you know, sure, all right. that, you know, old school, my, my, you know, yeah, just basically, you know, Chicago, um, techno and and Detroit soul and R&B so yeah those were my influences it was a little bit of boy George culture club sprinkled in the mix right.
1: well thank you for for contributing to the conversation I want to turn it back to Jim Salame for just a second and um, the connection between and I know you don't prefer the term psychedelics but I'm kind of a a newbie to the conversation but what are your opinions on the um, you know shows with, you know, ten twenty thousand 20,000 people, all pretty high on, on psychedelics. I mean, I've been at Red Rocks where all, all 10,000 people there seem to be pretty damn high.
4: <laughs> well, I think, you know, there's my, my use of it. I can talk for hours about this, and that's a really good question, Jim. Um, I would say that, you know, as I've gotten older, that's not as enticing for, for me and my pleasure when using entheogens. But I think that's what I enjoyed back in my 20s. Um, I, I, can see, I can see the draw to that, obviously. Um, I think that people, uh, microdosing in uh, in situations like that is better for someone like me. Um, and these plants have some really uh, impactful uh, changes they can bring to your life if you're trying to make changes in your life, if you're trying to do better yourself, if you're trying to heal yourself. Um, and I think that gets lost uh, at a fish show. Uh, I think it gets lost at a dead show. Um, I think uh, these plants can, can offer an incredible experience when watching music or listening to music and incorporating music into that. Um, and it's really up to anyone's, you know, preference of how they want to use these medicines. But in my personal opinion, you know, I would, I, again, save the macro dosing for home, for ceremonies for uh, for setting settings with maybe even someone who's guiding me to make sure I'll be okay. Um, and then I saved the microdosing for when I'm at the concerts.
1: Well, thank you for that. Okay. Yeah, where I was going with that is, you know, in situations like that at a fish show or Grateful Dead at Red Rocks back in the 80s, it was almost like a unity of mindset. We were all on the same page.
0: Right. It was interesting how that would happen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It seemed like if you were... On the right drug at the right time, everybody in the building was, including the guys on stage. We somehow everybody you know just knew what was happening. All and that was kind of magic when that would go down at a dead show. There's no doubt about it, and 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 that was really a lot of the the attraction to that too. That's that's great stuff, and and, and I think it's you know going to be the next thing we see and in, in uh, you know in our community, if you will, that uh, you know some of these other substances are going to and and, and plant based drugs are going to come and make a, a strong push. Yeah, Jim.
4: Yeah, I was just going to say. Uh, regarding that collective, uh, collectiveness of people, all under the same influence of some al- alternating uh, drug or, or plant medicine, um, in, a, in a concert uh, like you know at Soldier Field per, per, uh, perhaps, um, it you can feel that connection with everybody, and the same goes for when you're using plant medicines in a ceremony in a small collective group of 10 to 20 people, you all can sure. feel that connection, and it's it's profound on that level of music. Uh, at a concert. I just, I loved how you put
0: that. Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, one other thing I, I, I want to turn to Jim, if I could, I want to turn to Jamie for a minute because we haven't gotten him a very involved, but one of the things about Jamie is that he has
3: his own cannabis based podcast.
0: And uh, I was hoping you could quickly tell us about that, Jamie.
3: Yeah, basically all things cannabis. We've been doing it for a lot of years. I've, I was on another show before and I, I still am and, and produce it with attorney um uh, Michael Comoran called Planet Green Trees. That's been going for 10, 11 years now. And, and Jazz Cabbage, which I started uh, about five, four or five years ago. Uh, as well. Jim is on it regularly, um, as as are others, uh, my good friend Rick Thompson. And uh, we try to be current and uh, try to talk about interesting stuff, and we try to offer some historical perspective while we can and just have some fun while we're doing it. We get good information. Sometimes they're not great shows, but we always get good information on record every week. Next week we're going to talk about Leonard Peltier, who's a
0: man serving
3: uh, time in federal prison who a lot of people believe shouldn't be. uh, Right. We're going to get down with that story next week. And if how do people find your podcast if they want to listen to it? It's on the archives are on all the major podcast platforms that are that are out there. But we live broadcast first on um, uh, Facebook and I think uh, another just audio only platform but then thereafter it's on youtube and soundify or whatever all the major ones are i'm not sure what they're all even all even called but jazz can you can get it you can ask alexis to play it and she'll play it for example
0: <laughs> that's how you know you're famous yeah, when alexis exactly. can answer for you okay that's very cool well,
1: thank you very much for all of our guests nice. larry do you want to talk a little bit about next week's show
0: yeah we're gonna have uh, first of all rob hunt will be back which uh Uh, Is nice. He's bringing along a uh, a guest for us, Chewy Smith, and we're going to have lots to talk about on the marijuana side. Uh, We will, as always, have uh, plenty of Grateful Dead topics to talk about. Uh, Spring tour, uh, which would otherwise be uh, in in full bloom right about now, but uh, isn't, of course, because nobody's touring at the moment, and uh, the possibilities of when we're going to start seeing shows again. Uh, I know we've talked about fish possibly coming back in Colorado uh, over Labor Day weekend. Um, There was just an article in the Chicago paper today about all the concerts that were scheduled for uh, Wrigley Field last summer that got canceled and how they've all been rescheduled this summer except for Dead & Company. So they're still trying to work out something with Dead & Company. I don't know what their touring schedule is going to be like yet. Um, but as always, Jim, we, we've got great things to talk about, and uh, the time flies by uh, uh, much too quickly for us, as, as it always does. But I would like to thank all of our guests today, Mark Passerini, Nick tell and connect Q Sarfo, Jim Saleem, and uh, Jamie Lowell, uh, Hash Bashers, uh, all, as well as... Uh, Uh, Individuals with their own backstories uh, deep into the cannabis industry, and uh, and well worth checking out uh, for anyone who's interested in in learning more about how we got from the good old days to where we are right now uh, in the marijuana industry. Jim, any last thoughts from you? No, great
1: show, great guests. I think we're going to hang around for a few minutes for Clubhouse. Is that true, Larry?
0: Uh, I believe that's true. For people who would like to uh, who have been listening on Clubhouse and would like to continue to listen. Uh, some of us uh, and our guests are, of course, all invited to uh, to make the leap over. And Dan uh, Humiston, our producer, can give you the information uh, to how to get there. And then we uh, we open the floor to, uh, to questions of anybody uh, who has been listening and might have particular questions of us or of you guys uh, of any of the topics that we've been talking about today. So uh, hopefully uh, uh, some of our listeners will stick around and we can continue the conversation for a while. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't. wish everyone a happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Thank you again to all of our guests. Uh, Everybody uh, have a good week and stay safe. Enjoy your cannabis responsibly. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much.